We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. My name is Mike Lemon. I'm joined by Gage Bridgeford this week as we're now a week out of the NFL draft, and we are officially taking a look at the deep dives of the eleven players that are going to be wearing the green and gold that were names were listed last weekend. And today we're taking a look at the first of the two seventh-round picks, the first two of these seventh-round picks, and that's going to be safety linebacker hybrid Tariq Carpenter out of Georgia Tech and defensive lineman Jonathan Ford out of Miami. And Gage, when you look at these two players, they both are going to seem to have a very specific role with the Packers right away, and I think both guys know what that role is. Yeah, and that's a good way for things to be. Rather than having to guess, oh, what kind of role is this guy going to fill on the team? It's going to be clear from day one, hey, this is what you're doing. Go do your job. There, I Everybody knows that as everybody ever listened to me talk is knows I'm a big fan of the way that Bill Belichick does things in terms of how he gets the most out of his players by just saying, go do what you're good at. Don't worry about doing other stuff. And I think that these two guys, both in Green Bay, will have very clear roles as to how they're going to make the team. It's going to be go do your job, go do the thing we assigned you to do. Don't worry about doing anything else right now. And part of that is going to be, especially for both these guys, is going to be on special teams. And we all knew when Carpenter was picked that that was going to be his role. He even got the number 24. I mean, that's Jared Bush. But he's a lot bigger. He's a lot stronger. He's a guy who's going to get downhill. And when you talk a little bit about, about what he did well at Georgia Tech, it's going to involve a lot of that going downhill, which is perfect for a kickoff coverage, punt coverage, uh, punt return. He's he's that type of guy where with his size and his frame and his willingness to do that, as he talked about in all his interviews, he is the prime candidate to be the special teams ace for this team for as long as, as, long as he keep him around. Yeah, he's only a little bit bigger than Jarrett Bush, only four inches taller and 25 pounds heavier. Yeah, just a little bit more size to him. I, and like I was sitting here and I was looking at it and his like positions he played in college were DB, obviously, but also you, like his first year was utility. They just were like, they were doing whatever they could do with him. They were just kind of putting him all over the defense and yeah, in Green Bay, that's not going to be his primary role right away. His primary role is going to be on special teams, but that's how when you're a seventh round guy, that's how you make the roster. Everybody, everybody knows that it's not, it's not some just 
statement that people make up, oh, this guy's going to be, he's going to have to find a way on special teams to make an impact. That's how you, how you can make an impact as a rookie. That's how Carpenter's going to make this team as a rookie is by making plays on special teams, by using his athleticism to go out and to make plays. And as you pointed out, he said he's willing to do it in interviews. And we saw it when he was in college that he is, in fact, willing to do that. It's not just a guy that's going to say all the right things and then once training camp actually gets here, he's going to be like, ah, I don't really feel like it. No, I think he's actually going to be a guy that's down to do whatever it takes to make the team. It's 100% true. And, and of course, also Carpenter's the guy who, the, after he got drafted, he tweeted a picture of himself as a kid wearing the Super Bowl 45 champion T-shirt. So very obviously he's he's kind of in tune with, with what's expected. But you look at his numbers at Georgia Tech, played – Essentially five years, 46 games, 223 tackles, seven for a loss, had four interceptions, including a 43-yard return. So he's he's not afraid to stick his nose in there, and he's got a little bit of ball skills. And you watch the highlight of that big uh, interception return in 2020. He was driving toward the receiver. It looked like he was going to light that receiver up. But the ball deflects in the air. He was able to stop, adjust, and still go make the play and get the ball. And then he was able to do some pretty good broken field running. And for a guy who his agility numbers weren't very good when he did his athletic testing, that's encouraging to see that doing that in the ACC, which in 2020 at least was still a halfway decent conference in football. And a guy like Carpenter, I feel like if he can get up to speed quickly and with his athleticism and if he shows up enough on special teams, he may get a few snaps on defense in in some late games or if they need that bigger safety linebacker guy to come in who can hang with some tight ends, maybe hang with a running back. And I would love to see him Sheldon Brown somebody in the flat someday. Yeah, Joe Barry is definitely not afraid to play anybody on defense. If they like, if you sit here and you talk to your special teams coach and you're like, "Hey, is anybody flashing for you?" and you're going to see those plays on game day, Barry's going to be paying attention to see a guy like Carpenter making plays when he's out there and be like, oh, maybe this guy isn't the worst thing to we're having trouble covering this guy today, or maybe somebody's dealing with an injury or whatever. It's nice to know that you have a guy that has good size and decent athleticism compared to his testing numbers. You can have some confidence that he might be able to come in and do something for you. And that's all you can ask of a rookie, especially a seventh-round rookie. A seventh-round rookie making year one impact is anything that they do that's like on the field, that's just gravy for you. Because you didn't draft that guy with the plan of him being an impact player for you. So if he can be an impact player on special teams and then translate some of that to occasional work on the defensive side of the ball, that's that's a win. Like you are you're playing with house money now. And that that's a good point. Is is there the expectations aren't going to be there to be defensive stars for these guys? But there also weren't any on Chris Barnes, and he I think he worked out pretty well for an undrafted guy. I think Carpenter could kind of play that role, but a little bit more athletic than what Barnes is going downhill. If Carpenter starts five yards further back than like Barnes would and from his linebacker spot to his safety role, he can be a guy driving downhill. He's a guy who's going to look to hit, and he's got the size. He's a little bit, I think he's a little, obviously less agile, but there's a little bit of Cam Chancellor in his game with the way he, the, which is the style he plays at. He's not going to be, I doubt he's going to be Cam Chancellor. Chancellor, in my opinion, was a top five safety in his prime. But Carpenter's got some of that, that nastiness and enforcer in his game. And he got a lot of snaps at safety and in that box for Georgia Tech. And that seems a role that he could grow into. 
and he's a guy where, and is, I'm just harping on his ability to get downhill. He can really make receivers think twice about making a move in the open field when he's driving on you. Yeah, because obviously you don't have the true light him up safety, or you don't have a ton of the true light him up safeties anymore. Obviously, with the way that the game's played, they're intended. It's intended to make it safer and make wide receivers a little more willing to catch those balls over the middle. Because obviously, we want that's the league wants more offense, more points scored because that's better for the league, better for revenue, et cetera, et cetera. But a guy like Carpenter, who not only does he have the willingness to get or the ability to get downhill and make that big hit. As you pointed out earlier, on that on that catch that or on that interception that he had a 43 yard return on, he got downhill, but that made the adjustment and also and got the ball. He was he had the ability to break down because he's not just the he's not just the uh, the Dante Whitner type where it was a I'm gonna go make a big hit. Vonta's perfect. I'm gonna make a big hit. Are you gonna do anything else? No, that is literally all I got is go make big hits. And Carpenter, while he can lay the big hit, he also has the athleticism to kind of make adjustments on the fly and not just be completely taken out of a play once he hits a guy. For sure. And I guess I'll ask you this. What are your, why do you think, cause I don't think he's a seventh round prospect. I thought he was gonna go a little bit higher. Like, ooh. Is there, why do you think he fell the way he did? Was, is it like just he doesn't have a position? Is he? Is it his agility stuff? Is it his age? Like why do you think he fell as far as he did for a guy who's got some pretty good tape? I think it's probably a combination of those three things that you mentioned. I mean, his like you mentioned before, his agility wasn't perfect. He doesn't. He is kind of a tweener. He does. Ha, he doesn't have a true position where you're going to put him. He's not a true linebacker. He's also not a true safety, and he is a little bit on the older side. He played. Five seasons at Georgia Tech, and he's got a lot of snaps under his belt. Throw in the fact that Georgia Tech wasn't exactly a perfect team last year. They went just 3-9. and nine. They have a combined nine wins over the last three seasons. So they're not exactly just creaming opponents. So he's therefore on a smaller – even though Georgia Tech's not a small-name school, it's not a big-name school by any stretch of the imagination. So a combination of – Age, athletic testing, and tweener status on a smaller on a program that doesn't do as well. He's just going to fly under the radar a little bit. For sure, and I guess I'm looking at my where I had Carpenter ranked, and I did my ten composite board. I had him at I just had him at two seventy three, so actually maybe some value, but yeah, redshirt senior guy. He was always seen like in the two hundreds range as far as where he was projected to to end up being. But he's a guy where I think, yeah, Georgia Tech's not a prime school. I mean, who are the notable Georgia Tech players the past 20 years? Calvin Johnson and Morgan Burnett probably were the most notable Yellow Jackets to go to the NFL on different levels. So it's there's probably not a ton of scouts there. They're probably watching other teams. But I, I do think that Carpenter could be a big-time value. Even if he does just play special teams, that's a big-time value at pick 228. Yeah, I was curious who some of the other like big name guys might have been. Uh, some of the other notable Georgia Tech players in, over the last several years: uh, Harrison Butker, kicker for the Kansas City Chiefs; uh, Shaq Mason, guard uh, for the Patriots. I believe he's. I don't know if he's still with the Patriots. Or Tampa, he's no. the one. Is he the one that got traded to Houston, or is he in Tampa? Tampa. 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 Uh, Darren Waller. Uh, and then there's a few other, a few other, Demarius Thomas, obviously. Um, then there's a few other names there, but yeah, no, not, not the biggest, the biggest name program out there, but, uh, I'm not going to complain about a guy, about getting a guy that I think is a good athlete 
at the pick that we got him simply because I think he can go make impact plays from year from year like from day one. And there are people that are going to say, oh, well, special teams is this or that. But guess what? You go and you look at the Packers lost in the NFC in the NFC divisional round. And is that is special teams the only reason they lost? No. Was it a big reason why they lost? Yeah, it was. So if I can get a guy in the seventh round to come in and make an impact from day one on special teams, I'm all for having him slide down the board. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Absolutely. And I guess one last thought on, because you talk about the Georgia Tech guys, it's quite the amazing thing that they have so many receivers and tight ends. We can talk about Demarius Thomas, Darren Waller, Calvin Johnson. For a team that ran the triple option for how many years and they never threw the ball, they stay up and sending these elite players to the NFL. So let's move over six more picks. So we go from 228 to 234. 228 was an oversized safety slash linebacker hybrid. 234 just kind of an oversized everything. And that's Jonathan Ford from Miami, defensive lineman. 6'5", 341, as he said during his conference call. But he, you look at him, he doesn't really look like a guy who's 341. He, he carries the weight really well, but he is a mountain of a human being. And he's not even the biggest guy in rookie camp. Yeah, he's not he's not a small character at all. I so when we saw when we were doing the recap on him or on the third day of the draft last week, we were sitting there and looking through all the guys that Green Bay had drafted and we saw that there was a guy who was 6'5", 340 pounds. That's that is a as you said, he is a gigantic everything. He's 93rd percentile for his height, 93rd percentile for his weight. He's not at all small. He's not necessarily the most explosive guy out there. We did note kind of during our pre-show that he's got uh, arms are a little on the shorter side, 34th percentile for uh, defensive defensive lineman. But he's gonna just he's I, he's just gonna go out there and just be big and immovable. That's his whole. That's gonna be his thing. That's gonna be the calling card for him. Is Go out there and be in the way of the offense. And as long as he can do that and not get blown off the ball, sounds like a win. Exactly. And that was his job at Miami, too. Like when you, he, he was surrounded by good pass rushers every year he played. I mean, you look at you had Rousseau around him in the recent years. You had 
other Quincy Roche, solid Miami pass rushers. And around. then um, Jalen Phillips yeah. as well. Hey, so he had all these good pass rushers, so he wasn't asked to go off field. He was asked to take up blocks. And he's also a special teams guy. He was on the field goal protection unit. He would, he's a guy who I feel it could be a guy who blocks kicks with, even though he has T-Rex arms for a guy who's 6'5". That's still six foot five. Do you know who else had tiny arms for his size? Dean Lowry. And Lowry knocks down passes all the time. So I think that's what Ford's role could be. And yeah, his tape's a little underwhelming because you expect maybe a little more of an impact for a guy of his size. But again, that's what wasn't what he was asked to do. And for again, pick 234, the value there for you can find a guy that big who can do that kind of stuff. That's a good fit. And I think he's a guy who, he's going to replace the Tyler Lancaster role. That, that's what he's going to have to do. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I was never, Tyler Lancaster never really impressed me. He didn't really pop uh, when he was on the field. He would have a couple impact, impact plays here or there, but then again, pretty much everybody that has ever played football is going to have one or two highlight plays here and there. You're getting a guy who's going to be cheaper than Lancaster. He's younger. He's bigger, for sure. And, yeah, you pointed out, he does like he does have shorter arms, but Dean Lowry's kind of made that work despite having short arms. And you also it, that's one of the benefits of him being a defensive tackle versus a defensive versus a defensive end. He doesn't have to have super long arms in order to be successful inside because generally that's where guys with shorter arms such as, like at, end up at tackles end up at guard because they don't have long arms. So I I think that we have a guy here in uh, we mentioned last week on the pod that he went to middle school with TJ Slayton and that would have been a just gigantic issue to be running against in school. Like, can you imagine you're, you're just getting done with eighth period and then you're traveling, you go play this school and you see TJ Slayton and Jonathan Ford, who obviously at the time were smaller, but are just gig- two gigantic human beings. You're like, what am I coach? What am I supposed to do against that? They just, oh, try it. You can run through them. No, I cannot, man. No, I can't get through them at all. And so now you're going to have, there will be snaps where you can have just pure bulk on the defensive line and just dare an opponent to run. Yeah, I'm just picturing the goal line packages where you put Ford on the nose and you have Slayton and Kenny Clark next to him. You have Devontae Wyatt out there. You got Rashawn Gary going on down the edge. That's a lot of mass that you're going to have to try and run through. And and one thing that maybe with the short arms could actually benefit him is if he does get off the snap well enough, you can kind of forklift the center and can pull up a play that way. And so there's ways you can, if you if you have the short arms, you can use it to your advantage. And a couple of times he did. He was able to to kind of forklift the center or guard out of the way and get to the backfield. And even if he didn't make the tackle, any of the edge rushers behind him or linebackers did. And Miami was down the last few years as a program, but it wasn't because of their defense. Yeah, I don't know about you, but if I'm sitting here looking through the stats of the guys being drafted to the NFL from Miami, pretty much all of them right now, that any of them that are being drafted with any bit of capital are being drafted from the defensive side of the ball. There's been very few guys that have played on the offensive side that are getting to go anywhere. And I mean, between a lack of quarterback play and then just, I feel like they never have any above average weapons at receiver anywhere else. There's a reason 
and why this team's struggling. As you point out, it's not the defense. Ford is not a guy that pops off the screen or pops off the stat sheet in terms of just raw tackles or tackles for loss or whatever. He only had eight tackles for loss in five in basically four and a half seasons. He only had three sacks, and they all came during the twenty during his twenty nineteen season. So he was never the big stat guy. But as you point out, there's a lot of that's one of the downside to being a defensive tackle your stats are not going to always show up in the stat sheet you're going to get tackle assists of you blew you took up three blockers on a play and that made it to where your middle linebacker was able to knife through and get a tackle for a loss so I think that that'll be a similar role that Ford will play at like you said at the at this level where just go in soak up blockers and make room for everybody behind you to come downhill maybe a, like a guy like Tariq Carpenter or first round pick Quay Walker Devondre Campbell, hey, soak up blockers and let these guys behind you come do what they do. That's exactly it. I think it's going to be that kind of role. Even if only plays seven, eight snaps, and again, this I think the special teams value is there. He's a guy who like I definitely can see blocking kick, blocking a field goal or an extra point, being a protector a lot better than, than Lancaster was because it's just again just a wider frame. It's more to get around than it was with Lancaster, and. With with Ford, it just could be one of those little things. And even when you beat the training camp, I just want to see the one-on-one pass rush and pass block battles between him and Caleb Jones from Indiana. Just because that's 700 pounds of human being that are going to be going head-to-head. Yeah, when you mentioned that uh, Caleb Jones had been signed as an undrafted free agent, obviously I was like, yeah, that, yeah no, I know that name. And then I, I had to go look again because I was like, I really know that name. Let me double-check. And I was like, yeah, that's the guy that IU had that is just a gigantic human. Like he, Caleb Jones is, is a large, large person. They don't make him. 6'9", 370? I was like, they don't make him that big. Like he, they're like, hey, is he going to play anything other than tackle? No, he'll only ever play tackle because he is too big to play guard. Which is funny because usually the other way around is you talk about guys like Sean Ryan or, and some of the other linemen, but. Going back to Jonathan Ford, as we start to we'll keep this we'll keep this podcast short this week because there's not a lot you can do in a deep dive for seventh round picks, and there will be the other two seventh rounders on tomorrow. But w- with Carpenter and Ford, how do you see them as values? Do you think they could in the next four years be able to move their way up and see significant snaps? Um, I would say Carpenter, yes, more so than Ford. Just from the standpoint of, I think his position is more, I think he'll have more chances to make impact plays versus you have Jonathan Ford who is coming in behind a first round pick. Like I understand that he and Devontae Wyatt both play different positions, but they're both defensive linemen. So he's getting drafted after another guy. And I understand that Carpenter got drafted. Quay Walker was also drafted in the first round. But those guys play a little bit different role. Like I think Quay Walker is just a different – he's a different player than Tariq Carpenter is. Carpenter is going to make plays on both special teams, and special teams is how you can make plays – find ways to make plays on defense. Hey, I can make plays on special teams. Let me get plays on defense here versus I think Ford, even if he's like – even if he blocks a few like kicks here and there, that's not going to necessarily generate automatically him getting more – reps on the defensive side of the ball. So if I was going to say that one was going to develop and be an impact player, I would see Carpenter over Ford, just as things stand now. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Carpenter could take some of those Henry Black type snaps as they 
that random third safety he can play in the box. And I can just imagine also, you can imagine him starting 20 yards off the ball and just have him fly forward and hit a running back. That could just be a lot of fun to watch. But that being said, just a deep as a dive as we can of the, these two seventh-round picks. Again, Tariq Carpenter, safety linebacker hybrid out of Georgia Tech, and Jonathan Ford, defensive mountain out of Miami. So, Gage, as we wrap things up, as always, where can people find you, and what are you working on now? As always, you can find me on Twitter at GBridge for NFL. Still mostly doing uh, Denver Nuggets or Denver Nuggets coverage in the offseason now, but I'm putting out uh, an episode a week on the Believe in Nuggets podcast. You can find the links to that on my Twitter. Uh, still, also starting to ramp up some work with Roto Baller and Dynasty Nerds. Uh, just as the offseason goes on, I'll have more fantasy football content. I'll probably have an article uh, covering Seattle Seahawks football in here in the next week. Sounds good. And you can find me on Twitter at Mike Wendland, all one word. Again, a lot of my work is in the broadcasting field, so I'm doing a lot of high school sports. And after so many rainouts, and it finally feels like May in Wisconsin again after it was 40 degrees at the beginning of the month, a lot of games are being made up now. So there's a lot of baseball, a lot of softball, a lot of soccer going on. So I'll be doing a lot of that over the next few weeks. Uh, find my broadcasting work at Zaleski Sports and on Facebook at Zaleski Sports Wisconsin. The highlights I'll be cutting for the games that we cover there as well. And, of course, follow us at Packaday Podcast as a group and follow everyone involved in recording this because they're all really, really good at what they do, and they're all really, really good people as well. So that being said, that has been our deep dive of the first of the two of the first two of four seventh-round picks. Again, Trey Carpenter out of Georgia Tech and Jonathan Ford out of Miami, Florida. So that being said, everyone, from all of us here at the Packaday Podcast and for Gage Bridgeford, this is Mike Wendland saying so long and thank you for joining us. Everyone, stay safe, stay cool, always carry the G, and go Pack Go. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.